It's time for the View in Your Mirror podcast. I'm Katie Harms, and along with Lisa Rubin, we help you check in and curate the best possible you and the best view in your mirror. We share tips, tricks, and strategies from our 35 plus years in our respective industries. We talk about your day from morning to night and everything in between. We share our uniqueness, relish in our shared experiences. Along the way, we share conversation with fabulous people who give us their own thought-provoking insights. So come along as we help you hone the best view in your mirror. New year, Lisa Rubin. Happy 2024, Katie. So quick recap. I know that every year you start out and you write things down and you put it in your wallet and you take it out and you read it several times throughout the year. See, I pay attention to what's going on with you. I did do that, Katie. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you, how did your year end up? How do you feel from that initial where we were 12 months ago? How do you feel? Where do you, where do you feel? I took, when I took out my business post-it notes that I wrote for 2023, I had four things written down for goals and three of them were achieved completely. The fourth one I would say was 60% achieved. Okay. I did do mine for 2024, but it's the One of the first times that I can remember that I feel like I have to sit down and redo them. I think my mindset when I did them was not in a good, not that I'm in a bad place, but it just, I shouldn't have done the timing of it was not right. I just wanted to get it done because I always do it, but I'm going to sit down in the next week or so and redo it or add to it or subtract a little bit because I left a few things out. Well, you do you. I mean, I think. Well, you're part of my goals, by the way. (laughs) Trying to understand me? (laughs) No, our podcast. Like, for example, last year, I didn't emphasize as much about the podcast. I put one line in about our for our podcast. That was the 60% one. But this year, I actually added a complete line for the two of us and our podcast. Our podcast really has been just such a bright light. It's been a constant, right? You are definitely more of a lineal thinker. You think? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit more like that fly buzzing around your head. And eventually I I would say more of like a squirrel that goes up the tree, finds a nut, comes down, (laughs) gives it to me. (laughs) Shares the nuts all the way around. Yeah. However you want to put it, but, but I would say the constant being the podcast has been really lovely and at times frustrating and at times concerning all of those things that go into having a small business, finding its way, but the, the constant of it has been really delightful. Katie, haven't you learned so much from all of our guests and each other? You know, if If I think back to before we started it, the things that I know now and incorporate into my daily life, I wouldn't have done if I hadn't done this. I think what I've heard more than anything is that we all have our own dreams and goals and aspirations and how we go about things. And that's fine. There is no roadmap that has to be followed. And how we get there is our own personal process. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we're all women and we all have the same body parts. I say it all the time. And we all have 
the same frustrations, doubts, concerns, when we look in the mirror, we just all do it differently. True. I think I've gained strength. I would have to say I've gained strength from listening to other women talk about their frustrations, talk about their paths. I've gained strength in being able to say no easier and yet being accepting of new things. I think that's one of the things that I found from all the people that we listened to. No was in there. No, that doesn't work for me, whatnot. But the ability of everyone to embrace change, embrace new ideas. That was wonderful. And and we're going to continue. We have Jackie Berglund who started Finnegan's Brewery and, and back in 2000 and her path and just reading about her. I'm super excited to have Jackie on. And, and I think she's another person that leads with yes and leads with how can we make things better? And that's been the consistent of what I've seen as we've talked to the people that we've talked to. Yeah. I mean, and also that, you know, everybody has a story and everybody's on a journey and everybody's trying to make change for the better. I believe that. I believe that. So looking at 2024, where do you see yourself going? What 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 is your focus? I know we've talked about we started out last year with a word. Yeah, I've been thinking about my word. I, I don't have one word. But you know, professionally, I really, really love what I do. And I love to know when I make a woman a better version of herself. I am what's called the secret weapon. I keep People say that to me all the time, but what does that really mean? And I go in to help them with their clothes, but the outcome of what you're wearing and how you're wearing it and on what day you're wearing it and with who you're wearing it impacts who you are as a person every day. And I really love doing it. I guess one of my goals for 2024, I'm giving kind of something away. Ooh. is I want to go back to doing corporate speaking. I did a, a little bit of it last year and I love it. And I love helping teams and companies and I want to get back into that. That's awesome. Interestingly enough, it is something that I have on my list of things that I want to do as well. However, really, Katie? Yeah, a little bit of a shift. Well, you know, I'm a little bit of a ham and I like a group. <laughs> I like a presentation. <laughs> and I am not a ham and I don't like a group. But for some reason, when I'm doing my thing with, you know, with what I do, I don't have a problem with it. But go back to you. Well, I think you don't have a problem with it because you command such a space and you have such amazing information that you want to get out to people. And that comes from deep within you. That comes from a lifetime of experience and honing your craft. And it's all around efficiencies. You're a no BS person, Lisa, and you want to give that to people. And by giving that to people, you know that they're going to operate better in their spaces. So you're just giving a gift when you go out and you speak. Well, thank you, Katie. That was nicely said. Do you want to be my PR? Yeah. <laughs> Happy to. Happy to. 
I know a guy or a gal. There are several. Okay, back back to you. So I've had a little bit of shift. Functional spaces is still my name. Functional is probably my word for the year, just really focusing on how to make things more functional. It's in your wardrobe. It's in your home. It's in everything you do. It's in, you know, how is your car set up? Is it a pig pen of things all over the place and you can't find anything and whatever? Getting yourself to functional spaces is is really, really important. I'm starting a project. Surprisingly, we bought a townhome and I'm going to be remodeling that townhome and and talking about the functional spaces within that townhome. So I'm going to be putting out. Favorite thing to do is buy property and then do this. This is like your very favorite thing. I love doing, I love doing it. And I really do because it, it just energizes me. So there's that. But what has happened over the past six months is I've gotten into the space called NIL in the college sports scene, which is name, image, and likeness. And particularly what comes to uh, my passion, which is women's volleyball, particularly women's volleyball at the University of Minnesota. One layer from that is women's sports at the University of Minnesota. It is our it is our institution. It's the University of Minnesota. We have had um, an incredible run of women's teams, women's athletics at the University of Minnesota, probably some of the most successful teams anywhere at the University of Minnesota. Brad Frost and the hockey team, Keegan Cook and the volleyball team. Um, he's a brand new coach at the University of Minnesota with lots of great experience coming from Washington. But this NIL has come into play, which means name, image, likeness. It is not as easy as, oh, we're going to give kids a bunch of money and then they can play their sport. There's so much that goes into it. And I have spent the last six months getting to know, uh, researching, understanding what it means as it pertains to women's sports. And I've been working with an organization called Dinky Town Athletes, who is the collective for NIL money for the University of Minnesota. It's all very confusing, but what it is is to say, if you look at an athlete who is at an institution on a D1 level, they have very little time to themselves. They're scheduled from morning to night. They have no time to make any extra money. They can't go out and get a little extra job. Whereas if you're an academically scholarshiped individual at the University of Minnesota or anywhere, you have time to go get a job. As long as your grades are up and you're doing what you're supposed to do, nobody's paying attention to you. So why then can't these athletes have opportunities then to make some money to help? And in some cases, when you look at men's, you look at any sport, really, the socioeconomic impact of that athlete on their family is great and they need some help. So there's a lot that goes into it. I would love the opportunity to speak to corporations on what this means and why they should be backing and getting involved in NIL and women's sports, particularly. If you look at social media, when it comes to women athletes, they are far outperforming their male counterparts. If you look at C-suite leadership in women, 98% of them were college athletes. So we know that women are making giant strides. We're seeing some amazing things with corporate sponsorships of women's sports teams on the professional level. And I just think we have reached a point where people are paying attention. So very, there's a lot, it's broad, but that is 
what I'm going to be working on this year is speaking in that realm. That's a passion project for me, doing a little consulting with Dinkytown athletes. And so that's probably 2024 in a nutshell. Well, you sound very passionate, Katie, about that. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit, Lisa. So it's good to be passionate about something. Uh, we'll hopefully have some guests on that can help us understand a little bit more what it means to support women's athletics. And really, let's just call it athletics in general. But I think we need a little bit of a push still talking about where women come into it. I'm really tired of hearing about, well, they just don't you know, compete on the same level as men. It's different. It's different but it's good. It's very good. So with that, we have some great guests lined up. We're going to be talking about some health issues. We're just so happy to have people with us and supporting us and continuing to enjoy what we put out. We want to give a, a real heads up to our social media person who has done amazing things for us over the past year and beyond. Shelby knocking it out of the park and, uh, Man, she's she's something special. So happy to have her on board. Yes, she is. And it's it's fun to see what she comes up with because without her, I don't know, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. You wouldn't be doing it and I wouldn't be doing it. Not at the level it's been. Oh, no, that's for sure not. Yes. <laughs> We're going to have nonstop fun talking to Jackie Berglund who is described, let me tell you this, as a rambunctious social connector. I'm going to use the word visionary. There's just there's just so much to Jackie Berglund, all of which is tied up in a great bow of giving back. Jackie Berglund, Finnegan's, so excited to have you. And I'm going to read a little bit about us on your finnegans.org, which is so important. We believe in bar stool philanthropy in social innovation, building strong communities, and that doing good and having fun play nicely together. We believe in the sweet alchemy of turning beer into food in lining food shelves with fresh produce from local growers, and that it takes a village to raise a more purposeful pint. Isn't that I fun? <laughs> that is so fun. And you being described as a rambunctious social, what's the word that goes? Entrepreneur. 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 Thank you. I said when we first started talking, thanks to Chris Worley, who is one of the greatest guys ever. We got to just, you know, throw that out there right oh away. Oh my gosh, yes. Then he can stop listening. <laughs> when we started talking, I said, Oh my gosh, that word rambunctious. It was a word used to describe me as a kid. So, and I, I really haven't heard it much. So to hear that, it just put a placeholder for you in my mind. And it led to every interaction that we've had since, which I just love. I want you to go back long before, because 2000 started Finnegan's. That was your first beer. Mm -hmm. How did you get there? So the journey, I'm one of these people that had a very... What do you say around the bend type of, of career path? I was one of those folks that coming out of college, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was a junior when I declared a major and then ended up going to France um, in 1997 to get my master's degree. I wanted to save the world. I wanted to work in development aid um, in third world countries and understand the effectiveness of development aid. And I ended up getting an internship at the OECD in Paris 
the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which was created to implement the Marshall Plan after World War II. And I ended up just staying in Paris for seven years and was passionate about the work. And I thought that was my whole goal in life was to work in an international organization. Well, what I learned, and maybe this has happened to a lot of women out there, that sometimes you think your dream job is your dream job, and then you get in it and you're like, uh-oh, maybe not so much. And I, at the time, I didn't know I was an entrepreneur, but I knew I kept having ideas. I'm an ideation person. I kept wanting to implement change in things that I saw, and there just wasn't the ability to do that in a more governmental structure. So I ended up, I also needed back surgery. I had a chronic back issue and wanted to get that surgery done in Minnesota. So I packed up and moved back. And uh, that's when, when I was needing back surgery, my dear friend, Kieran Foliard, who you may know, founder of Kara Pubs, the local Cooper Pub, Kieran's Pub, and then also the founder of Two Gingers Whiskey. And then he went on to start Red Locks Whiskey after he sold his first whiskey to Jim Beam. Um, he was a dear friend for my first job out of college. And he said, Jack, why don't you come work with me at the local? I'm opening this new pub and I can get you on health insurance. You can get some back surgery going. We'll take care of you and you can be my director of marketing and help me get this thing open. So I, I went to work for him um, as his director of marketing. And it's, it's hysterical because I, the only marketing background I had was uh, marketing one-on-one. I was a poli-sci communications major, but I, I was good at, you know, getting out there and building partnerships. So I worked with him for three years, and that's actually where the idea for the beer came from, because we, Kieran and I are both very community-minded, and we were giving a lot back to the community while we're opening this new pub. And, um, you know, the CFO is like, stop the madness, you guys, you're giving to all these causes, you know, and, and you don't really know what your impact is. And that's when the idea was born what do we do all day? We sell beer. What if we created our own beer and gave all the profits back to the community? And that was really the local is a spiritual home of Finnegan's. Wow. That's kind of a fun story, right? And so I was so passionate about the beer and Kieran said, God, you're more passionate about this beer than you are your job. And I said, you know what, if we really want to make a difference, we need to have this beer in every pub in Minnesota. And, you know, we need to grow this thing. And so I told him I wanted to go. We needed somebody driving the business. I wrote him a check for a dollar. He still has the check to go start the beer company. And that was in September of 2000 that I did that. So the thing that is so beautiful about this is this was just you found a passion and you found a way to get there. Correct. It was so passion driven that, I mean, I didn't have any experience in the beer industry I wasn't a brewer. I wasn't, you know, trained as a brewer. I really didn't do any market research. At the time, there were only five craft breweries in Minnesota. And Kieran and I both thought what happened with red wine and the wine industry where people were demanding, consumers were demanding to be more sophisticated. We thought that was going to happen with beer. And so that is why we created our first product, uh, Finnegan's Irish Ale, was our flagship sole brand for nine years, really to be a gateway product. So we 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 made it not too hoppy, not too malty, so that your average light beer drinker could could kind of have a product that would get them closer to craft. And that is why we created the recipe that we did. And it turned out we were right. There's now 200 breweries in Minnesota. And and that everybody became more sophisticated in in your you know category as well. So how did you find somebody to do the recipe for the beer like since you didn't 
know how to do that? How did you go about that? Yeah, so we knew the folks over at James Page Brewing Company. They were located up in Northeast there on Quincy Street. And uh, we were friends with that brand and we sold their products in all of Kieran's places. And so Kieran and I met with the president at the time, kind of pitched our idea. And of course, they thought, well, this is a good idea because then we can have our products in all of Kieran's places, which were very popular at the time. And we met, we spent an afternoon, a really fun afternoon, actually, and they put out a bunch of different micro brews and we tried them all. Kieran and I took sips of everything. We looked at the color. Uh, we walked through with their head brewer and said, okay, we like that color. We like that finish. We like that body. We like, and then he took notes and he literally created the Finnegan's Irish Ale recipe that we still use today. And he did it on the first batch. Kieran and I both said, you nailed it. This is exactly what we wanted. And that was the beginning of, of the product. And we rolled it out in the pubs at first and, and got feedback and all those things. And then that was when we kind of grew, grew it through the pubs. And then it was clear this thing had some legs and it just needed someone driving it. The people that were put in your path at the time you needed them there, I got a little bit of um, almost goosebumps as you were talking about it, because it's the difference between the right and the wrong person in little, almost, you talk about micro brews in little micro connections. Right. I I am a big believer in serendipity. I am a big believer that there's guideposts. If you just listen and you ground yourself, you, you get directed where you're going. And our biggest challenge typically, I think, is, as business people is, is quieting down to listen. I have been very, uh, very fortunate uh, just with what you've described. You know, the right people come at the right time and, and that have propelled things forward. I experienced the same thing when we were trying to open the brewery in this block development in downtown Minneapolis. You know, so many things fell into place. We were against all odds trying to get this thing open. And so I have been really lucky, not like I haven't had super hard times, like what we're going through right now post-pandemic, but I have been very fortunate along that path for sure. And I know a lot of female founders that I talk to, that I network with and are my friends, we all share this kind of, yeah, it's so true, isn't it? You know, And yet, as you're talking about this, unless I'm not hearing it, being a female did not deter you in any part of this. I would say correct. I'm not, I have to compete with the best of them, right? And when I got into this, I just, all my, all my mentors were men. There weren't any women in this field. I didn't have any female mentors at all. And so I'm super grateful to the men that helped me and that shared their knowledge and their wisdom. And I've always looked at it as you just got to compete, Jackie. You know, I haven't really pulled that female card. Now, for sure, the beer industry, I was always the only woman in the room, you know, back in 2000. And, uh, you know, there were lots of sexist comments at various situations and whatever. And I just, you, you had to have thick skin and just let it roll off your back. And it, I just used that. I transformed that for fuel, you know. So get out there and work harder, you know, get this, you know. And so that's that's how I've always had my frame around that issue, honestly. Well, and I think too, one other thing you're describing, which is so incredible, as that industry, you all sort of were growing together, like you said, and there was a visionary mindset in that industry 
that there's room for everybody to play. There wasn't, you're talking about, you know, James Page Brewery, you're talking about, you know, working together cooperatively, different businesses who are all trying to make money and all trying to employ people and all trying to do things for the good. But there seems to be a mindset that you would all rise together. I think many, many breweries have had that mindset, some not so much. But I, I would say the brewing uh, community, we really do support each other and really try to. And I'm friends with, the, you know, most of the most of all of the um, breweries that, that I was special over time. There, there's a few of us that are the real old timers, but some of the new ones, too. I mean, great people are attracted to this industry. And since I've been in it, I've seen a huge shift of breweries that are giving back, that are involved in nonprofit activities. It's a very generous industry. And that is so great to see. And I've always looked at it as like the more the merrier, you know, the more people getting engaged in nonprofit activities in their community, the healthier communities we're going to have. And so I would say the brewing industry has done a great job on that front. Well, and you have not just stuck to the brewing industry. You so you started with the beer, you increased beers. You had a, a mindset to give back and a heart for giving, which has done amazing things. You're well over 2 million given back. And yep. since 2000, I mean, that's incredible. Really, since you started that thought process in 2010, right? Yeah, so we started focusing on food. So originally, uh, we had a really broad mission. And so the Finnegan's Community Fund is a 501c3, and the Finnegan's Brewery is a for-profit organization. So it's the nonprofit 501c3 that oversees the mission, and we have a board of directors. And in 2010, when it was our 10-year anniversary, I had to show and illustrate our impact over that decade. And what I realized is we've been giving these grants to a lot of very innovative nonprofits that were focused poverty alleviation, very broad, right? I'm a big basic needs gal. We're the wealthiest country in the world. And the fact that folks aren't able to meet their basic needs feels criminal to me. So I've always been focused on that. And I realized I had like two pages of things to talk about. And I'm like, this doesn't work. And so I went back to the drawing board and I saw a brochure for at the time it was called the Emergency Food Shelf Network. And I read that they donated 80,000 pounds of produce back to the community the previous year. And it was so succinct and it was so clear. And I thought, I want to be able to say something like that. And so I reached out to those folks, met with them. And I said, I'd like to be a giving partner. I love what you do. And we did a pilot project in 2011. And basically what they do is the money goes to purchasing produce from local growers and they pay a dollar per pound. So the food group, they're now the food group, would pay a dollar per pound for organic, mostly organic produce that goes to local food shelves. So we started that program and that brought us to the point of turning beer into food for our mission. So look how succinct that messaging is. What do you do at Finnegan's? What's your mission? We turn beer into food. What was your impact last year? 90,000 pounds of produce. And we support local growers, BIPOC growers. We support getting healthy food to local food shelves. I mean, it's a win, 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 right? And so consumers, you can help support the, the Finnegan's Community Fund. You can do donations. You can support our fundraisers. And then there's the beer piece where a portion of our profits go to supporting the community fund. So it's all the barstool philanthropy at every corner there. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. From that then came the fin Finnovation Lab. 
talk. Yeah. So, so when we had the idea for the brewery, so this was a big, big, big vision um, to build a brewery and do a block development in downtown Minneapolis. And part of that was in 2014, I received the Bush Fellowship. So I was a Bush Fellow and the project that I put forth was to create a Finnovation Lab which basically was bringing together like-minded entrepreneurs, impact entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs that have a mission of giving back in some way. And my thought was if we work together, we cross-pollinated, we're in the same working space, we could help lift each other up and help make more impact and create healthy communities. And so I pitched that idea and I got it. And uh, I received $100,000 to pursue that idea. And so then as I was pursuing building a brewery, connected to a hotel. It was actually, the vision was a brutel that we have down here on 5th Avenue uh, between 8th and 9th Street. Uh, I didn't raise the money for the hotel, so there were different investors, but we did get the brewery done. And while we were doing the design for the brewery, I thought, what if we add the fourth floor, this Finnovation Lab idea? And so then I went back to the Bush Foundation and said, okay, you believed in my idea. Do you still believe in it? And um, they helped fund us to get this whole thing going on the fourth floor of the Finnegan's house in downtown Minneapolis. And that's fabulous. And we got to talk about that brewery and the location. Now, first of all, that location in Minneapolis is an older part, I would say, right? It's, it's probably, it's not in the heart of some of the other redevelopment areas that have been paid attention to, Right. And so it became like the touchstone of that redevelopment for that area. Right. I think that's true. And I think that was all spurned by U.S. Bank, the biggest investment project in the history of Minnesota. And prior to that, when there was the dome there, there really wasn't a focus on development. There was no bars and restaurants really that came in. And then once the U.S. Bank came in, then there was a big focus on development. And then you saw the armory that was sitting empty and being used for parking then get purchased and, and turned around. And we, we started seeing all of these developments in this part of town. Now, I will say it is a complicated neighborhood. Elliott Park is a is a neighborhood here that has one of the highest poverty rates in downtown Minneapolis. There's a lot of social services here, yet you have some of the most expensive housing. And it's all in this kind of area together. And so it's complicated, but it's fabulous. It makes it all diverse. And I just, I purposely chose to have our project here in this part of the community because I wanted to walk the talk. And we work very closely with Agate, which is the, the food shelf and shelter location right next door. We work very closely with the Elliott Park Neighborhood Group and have brought in the food group with their mobile market. And so we're trying to make a positive impact where we work and live here too. So um, that was all extremely intentional. But now, as we see after this pandemic, I mean, everybody down here, it's tough. And uh, I'm on the East Town Business Partnership Board, very active in that organization and trying to work with other hospitality groups. How do we lift us up? How do we get how do we get people back over here and down here and engaged? And it's been a struggle. I've now spent more time in a pandemic with my new businesses down here than not. And uh, as, as a leader, boy, that's been really hard. That's um, but just to understand that. That just shows a really special, special gift that you have for those connections and needs and to not ignore. I think it's easy to ignore 
what's going around you and focusing on your mission or your path, your mission and your path expands out. Uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Your peripheral. You've got such an amazing peripheral view on this. When did the hotel, so Finnegan's came in first, then the hotel developed? Yeah, it was all in one package. So as we were raising money for the brewery project, we were pitching it as a brutel, a brewery and hotel. And, you know, I learned a great lesson there. I've never done real estate development. You'll notice I have a track record of doing all these things I have no background in. Um, but I find it energizing. I don't know. But what we realized is that investors that invest in breweries, invest in breweries. Investors that invest in hotels, invest in hotels. When we said a brewery hotel, it was like we had 10 heads. You know, it was like a Willy Wonka project. And at that time, there weren't really any breweries with with hotels connected in the country. Then there started to pop up a few by the time we got the deal done. But we were really you know, on the cutting edge of that idea. And I was visiting in Prague with for my sister's 50th birthday and we stayed in a brutel. And uh, it was a brewery connected to a hotel. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. It is a thing. And then I came back and I'm like, we got to do the project. But, you know, those are some of the things that happened. But uh, we ended up not finding an investor to do the whole thing. So we found investors for the brewery. And then we ended up finding different investors to do the hotel separately, which in hindsight... I'm grateful for because of the pandemic, we we would have been done. I mean, it was such a big lift, even just keeping the brewery going. Um, a hotel would have been insurmountable. I feel like your next brew needs to be called Beacon. Beacon Brew. Because I feel like that building and your business, Finnegan's, is like a beacon for that neighborhood. For We're the trying. <laughs> It really, it's just, there's an energy that when you go down there and I, and admittedly, I have to speak to having been in there quite a few times now, because also attached to your brewery is now an event space. And that event space is Mosaic. And I'm very familiar with that event space because our daughter is going to be getting married there in the spring. So, and we're very excited for so many reasons. They were both, she and her fiance are extremely social justice and giving back. And they wanted to use uh, women owned or uh, people of color in their their full array of who was going to be working on this wedding. So Mosaic is a pretty special place that has been there really attached for what uh, this is the second year. Yeah, this is the second year. And uh, we love those guys. We work closely. Their offices are up here in the Finnovation Lab. Just such a great group of entrepreneurs and so also dedicated to their causes and the great things that they do around really creating a venue for up to 450, 500 people where you can have different types of food and use diverse caterers and and all of the important things about creating inclusivity. They are just so great at that. And uh yeah, what a great choice for your daughter. Like, there's so much good energy in that space too. And we've done some full house events where we've had a thousand people uh, here that are that it's mosaic, it's the brewer's den, it's the tap room. And to see the whole house activated to the really the original vision, uh, that third floor was empty until last year. And so, you know, I think I almost cried the first time I they had an event and I and it was people all over running through that and like, this is what we pictured. It took us this long to get there. So yeah, it's an exciting space. Oh my gosh. 
Jackie, we're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and talk a little bit more about what a typical day for Jackie Berglund looks like <laughs> and some of your strategies, your efficiencies. I want to talk a little bit more about energy. I know that was one of the questions I was going to ask Lisa. There's energy as of spaces. People carry energy. Do clothes carry energy, Lisa? Some for you to think about. We'll be right back. We are with Bridget Edwards from Sheer Brothers Custom Closets. Bridget, let's talk garages. What are you seeing in garage storage and organization? Garage storage is always nice. It's especially nice if you don't have a mudroom to store all those things like your kids' sporting equipment and boots and all those kinds of things that end up in the home. So we can outfit your garage with all kinds of different storage units and cabinets to keep your garage looking tidy and neat. We also do slat wall. We do workbenches. We do mega shelving, which really holds tons of weight and provides great storage for all those garage type things. And the mega shelving designed by Share Brothers by manufacturing and the depth options and length options are so incredible that you don't have a lot of dividers. So it's really easy to use. It's exactly that. It can pretty much hold anything or any weight. And I really do also like the idea of not having anxiety every time I drive into my garage and have to look at the mess. So this helps with that. What's the best way for people to initiate working with Share Brothers? Call or you can go onto our website and from there a designer will be in touch with you and we'll get the process started. The website is sheerbrosclosets.com. The number is 763-531-7400. I would have to say that Sheer Brothers Custom Closets helps you get your zen on. Great way to put it. I love that. Oh, so much to talk about. Typical day in the life of Jackie Berglund. I feel like I need to buckle up for this. Well, of course, I'd start with there's no typical day. Depends on what fires need fighting. I do spend my time, I split my time between Finnegan's Brewery and the Finnovation Lab. So I have a I have a leg planted in both places. On the beer side, anywhere from a typical day on a Monday is a production meeting in the morning, two hours of planning production with the head brewer and all the people that are involved in that process. Then Tuesdays, like so then, and then it's all meetings and follow up and, um, you know, just trying to keep the wheels on the wagon, getting an eye on cash flow for the cash flow meeting on Tuesday and all the different team meetings. And we follow the EOS system, the operating entrepreneur operating plan from the book Traction. So in both of those, and then we have those high level meetings on Tuesday and leadership meetings for Bruco and then have those on Wednesday for the FinLab. So it's kind of like both back and forth. I do a lot of outreach with distributors on the beer side, a lot of work on sponsorships in the Finnovation Lab. So just always in that leadership role and working with the team to develop the team to make sure we're working the plan and that we're hitting weekly, monthly, quarterly goals. That's a big part of my job is, you know, keeping the wheels on the wagon at the end of the day. And I roll up the sleeves no matter what the issue is. You know, I will jump in and do whatever it takes to help get it done. And whether that's helping on the canning line, if we're in a pickle over there or whether whatever it is. Um, and our whole team is like that. We are very much a team team approach to everything. We work very, I'm a very big collaborator. So we all collaborate in everything I'm involved in. And then I'm also very involved in the nonprofit side. So for the Finnegan's Community Fund, I'm on that board, volunteer my time for that. And then up, upstairs in the Finnovation Lab, we also have a nonprofit called the Finnovation Institute, and I'm on that board. I and mean, that's all about curriculum and programming 
for entrepreneurs and our Finn Fellowship Program um, as well. So it's it's all over the board on any given day, what's popping up and what's happening. It's a little bit schizophrenic, to be honest. <laughs> so, but what do you do for yourself? Like, are you, do you exercise? I mean, is there certain rituals that you have? Yeah, I I've kind of fallen out. I got to tell you, I, well, first of all, I live in town during the week. I have a studio apartment about this big and it really, really small in downtown Minneapolis, a block and a half from the brewery. It was the least expensive apartment I could find. My house is in Amory, Wisconsin, an hour and 20 minutes. And I have a house in the middle of the woods on a small lake. And so every weekend that is my sanctuary. And I was trying to create my perfect life. So it's like, okay, Perfect life is having your vacation home that's actually your home. And then in town, you have the small little place that you don't need to clean so much, like it's not a big place. So so that's kind of what I do there. But on your to your question, I've had a lot of health issues during the pandemic. It kind of all started diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, ankylosing spondylitis, which is an inflammation disorder and attacks the spine which then I look back, I probably had this in my whole life when I had back surgery uh, back in the 90s. So kind of dealing with that, osteoarthritis. And so walking, I love walking, but it's become kind of painful. So I'm trying to manage that. And and really, I'm focused my whole thing this year for my vision board is self-care and health and wellness. That has to be, I got to get that back. So my rituals aren't doing great. My exercise isn't doing great. I am in a mode where I absolutely need to regroup because I've I've lost track of that, trying to keep the businesses going, honestly. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, self-care tends to fall off the, the rails uh, when things get stressful and you're working really hard uh, to make to make things work. It's the first thing to go. That's true. That's true. That's, that's very true. That's so true. At least I'm conscious of it. They say you're 50% there if you're conscious that yeah, it fell apart for you and you got to you got to focus on it. So, I'm at least at that 50% mark. And do you I, have do you have a comfort food? Oh gosh. I you know, I love me a good cheese fondue. I mean, I lived in France and it's one of my favorite the real authentic the the ones that you had in France. You know, a nice glass of wine and a nice cheese fondue is fabulous. So that makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's community-like. You know, when you do those, you're sitting around the table with people. And I just did a raclette this week with my friends who also lived in France, American friends. And they we did the raclette with the, the red wine and the whole meal and the ritual of making raclette. And that's such a community thing. And I'm like, this is one of my favorite dinners in a really, really long time. I love that stuff. I I can't agree with you more. I do think what you said too, especially for female entrepreneurs, the last thing we do is take care of ourselves. And yet the people that I know have who have figured this out have figured out that the more they can take care of themselves, they have more to give for others. True. And what I have noticed from doing this podcast is that every single person to a fault that we've had on here leads with yes, leads with yes. And that's not a bad thing necessarily until yes is not sustainable. Right. And so then the shifting to no is difficult. It is. It is. And that boundary drawing is, I'm not good at it. That's something I really, I really, really struggle with. I'm a people pleaser. I try to make it work for everybody. I'm super aware I'm like that. And I think this last year, my mom has dementia. So 
Uh, my sister and I have a heavy lift with my dad there. And just so many things like that, that were out of my control, that are out of my control. And then I'm finding myself having to say more, you know, no, more and more. And it's been social things or seeing friends or whatever, because my weekends, I got to help my family. I need a day off to not be crazy. And, and I'm having to say no a lot more. And it's so hard for me. It is so, and I, it shocks me that, gosh, you really, really have a hard time saying no. And I mean, and you don't need to give all these excuses. It's just like, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to do that. You know, no, just I, some of that messaging that I'm getting a little more comfortable with. And it, it's nothing personal. It's, it's survival, really. Wellness. As we have learned, no is a complete sentence. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> I love that. I know. Well, energetically, when you wake up, we talk about the energy of the spaces that you're in. And I think maybe perhaps one of the reasons why you're able to keep going as much as you are is you bring an energy and you put energy into the spaces, but you gain energy from being in spaces as well, right? It's a it's a symbiotic relationship. I think that's absolutely true. And, and I'm an extrovert, so I get energy from, you know, engaging with people that gives me energy. And I've, I've been rambunctious. I was called rambunctious when I was a kid. I have more energy than the average bear. And so, you know, I wake up that way. I got, I'm just, I'm a high energy gal and I do bring that to the room and I'm my strength finder. Positivity is my number one thing. So I bring that everywhere I go for the most part, unless I'm way in the dumps. But, um, I, I really have that, that, that is, I'd say, a gift in a way, you know, the positivity and, and a lot of energy to spread some love around the room and help lift up others. Yeah. So you would say that I would say that that's your superpower. Yeah, maybe. Although sometimes now when you try to say no, you know, because then that because then I have a hard time with the no thing, you know, because then I want to pe- I want to like be there and do those things. But it's like, actually, I can't I can't energetically support that right now. Like there's some kind of rub in that for me. And, and then I'm just kind of figuring out, but, and they shouldn't be mutually exclusive, but somehow in my head, they are, but yeah, I would say it is one of my strengths. I'm the strength finder thing. And just in my, if you get, look at my whole package. Yeah. So cool. Lisa, do clothes have energy? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Like when you um, walk think... into someone's closet, do you feel energy coming out of that closet? Well, I wouldn't say I feel energy, but when I walk into someone's closet, whether it's virtual or in their home, it tells me a story about who they are. And when they describe their clothes, when I ask my questions, I can tell if where that energy is coming from, just by the way they describe it. And so I think it's really important for people to think about that when they're putting clothes on for the day. Because sometimes what you're wearing can set you up, obviously, for the rest of the day, whether it's being that it's uncomfortable, whether it's a color, whether it's the feel of it, whether it's how, you know, you're going to stand up straighter if you like what you're wearing. You're going to want to shout more information out in a meeting if you like how you look. And that includes for women, your hair. And if you are a person that likes makeup or doesn't like makeup, you know, there's not, it's not just your clothes and your shoes are full of energy. Hmm. Think of all the places they've been. Wow. 
That's right. It. And, but it's how you stand, how you feel, how you walk, how you present yourself, how you sit in a chair. You know, I do a lot of uh, consulting with clients who do a lot of public speaking or do a lot of board meetings and things like that. And I talk to them about those things. You know, clothes are actually the final thing we talk about. It's everything else that's just as important. So, you know, think about that when you're getting ready in the morning, just throwing that same thing on over and over again, maybe just try something different because it might help you kind of re-engage in a different way. Yeah, yeah, I think you would have a heart attack looking at my closet. I tend to wear, you know, I, <laughs> no, wear, I wouldn't have a heart attack. It's I mean, not it's like so anyone. Bad. It's so bad. So I wear every day like this, a Finnegan's jacket. And in the That's winter okay. turtleneck, I mean, it's like, I, I just, and I wear the same kind of flat tennies or t- I wear tennis shoes mostly. I have a bunion on one foot that's really uncomfortable in dress shoes. You know, so I, I really am not, I don't dress well. You don't have to dress up. We need to change that narrative because you have a uniform. Yeah, yes, exactly. For you. Okay. But, but it makes you feel good. So when I talk about clothes, it's not being dressed up. Okay. It's about the uniform you want to wear for the day. So probably when you are going to go out socially or you're going to get together with friends, you might think about changing what you're wearing. That doesn't mean right. you're going to dress up, okay. but you're going to change what you're wearing because that represents more of a social piece of your night. Okay. So what you're wearing during the day is your work uniform. And that's what makes you feel good. Right. It's comfortable, right? Yep. Yeah. That's Comfort your power, is, is your huge. power suit. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Cause I have had people, a couple of women who said, do you ever like dress up Jackie or do you ever change it up? Cause I'm, I'm really not into clothes. I'm not, you know, I'm one of these, I'm more how it feels on the inside. And then especially if you've gained some weight, then nothing fits you good. You know, then you're like, I'm not going to go out and buy a whole new set of things because I'm going to lose the weight. Well, guess what? It takes time and commitment and discipline. And so I'm like in this middle spot of like, I have this inner dialogue going about every, every woman does. Every woman does. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. It's not just me. So I am working on it though. And I'm like, I, I won't buy new clothes until I get this dialed in. So I'm in that only some things are comfy. So it's a smaller group of things. Than it used to be. <laughs> but, but do you think about, but Forget the clothes. Do you think about your hair? Do you like making sure your hair's okay when you wake up in the morning? Do you blow it out? Do you get haircuts? Do you color it? I yeah, mean, I do all, all of that. that is okay. So that's important to you. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Yeah. So that's think, what I'm saying that I you need see. to think about. Okay. Jackie, Jackie, what you have described is the whole reason why we did the podcast is exactly why you yes. can be the most successful and look at what you, I mean, I'm looking at your, the things that you've done listed as 200 Minnesotans. You should know a Bush fellow, 40 under 40, 50 over 50. You've been going at this a while, you know, just all the things that you've done. And yet, as Lisa tells us, we still have those inner dialogues and those yeah. things that are going along on how we present. That doesn't make us any less relevant or important or uh, any less anything. It's just part of who we are. And if we can embrace that as fellow females and as fellow humans, we just all lift each other up because we're all going through the same 
thing and the same thoughts. And Katie is so right. I mean, that is why we started this podcast because I don't, I've been doing this 39 years. I don't know a woman yet that doesn't have that dialogue in their head every single day. Wow. And I deal with very successful women and I deal with women who are just starting out. I deal with so many different kinds of women and they all feel that way. Isn't that fascinating? They all feel that way. And how that is a common denominator. And it's liberating. It should be liberating to us because we can weave that into our everyday life. And I think you do because who you have brought together and who you have raised up and the successes that are down line from what you give. And let me just, yeah, I, I agree with Katie, but you know, a suggestion for you is if you're a tennis shoe wearer, right? You love tennis shoes. Go buy yourself a pair of really bright, fun tennis shoes. So when you're sitting and you're talking or you're doing, you get to look down and look at color. You still, there's still tennis shoes. So that's what I I like to talk about with people. And that's what brings energy. It's not about dressing up and looking, you know, fancy all the time. You know, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. No, it's not. That's great feedback. I do have a pair of gold ones, a pair of brown ones, and a pair of orange ones. So see, there you go. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Okay. Now we're going to shift. Okay. Shift. We're going to take a, we're going to take a couple minutes as we, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) This is so fun. So fun. And just thank you. Just such a treat. I want to go back to Finnovation Lab because to me, You've got some gold there in them hills. So tell me, talk about Finnovation Lab and what what your dream for that is. Yeah, so it has been such a journey uh, with this business. And I think the really cool part that we've we've dialed in up here on the fourth floor is, is really looking out at the ecosystem for impact entrepreneurs. And for me, that's a big tent any entrepreneur who has some kind of mission for the greater good in their business and whether it's, you know, how they produce the product and it's good for the environment, it doesn't matter what it is. Something that it is important to them in their business that they're having a positive impact. And I think what we focused on here is what are we good at? Well, Finnegan's Bruco, my whole background is in beverage and um, we work a lot with local food, sustainable food systems with their Finnegan's Community Fund work. And then this is a town of um, consumer packaged goods. We've got a lot of corporations that, you know, are based here. And so we are one of the worst states at startups. Um, and then this last year, I think we came in the last five states. So we needed, you know, we were like, what can we do? And so we focused on now supporting impact entrepreneurs in the food and beverage and food systems category that in this very specific in that kind of one to five million range, we saw there was a big gap in support support services, access to capital. So we're trying to build out a network with those types of founders. And then the other side of that coin is connecting them with fractional executives. So what we've learned is that there's some statistics out on this that in 10 years, 50% of the workforce is going to be fractional. 
And what that means is the folks that are leaving General Mills, the folks that are leaving 3M, a lot of the target, the corporate folks, after the pandemic, want a lot more flexibility. They've got families. They don't want the 80-hour-a-week grind. So those folks are looking to do fractional work as a CMO, as a CFO, whatever that is. And so what we want to do with these founders is get to know them and their needs and hook them up with a fractional executive as we build out that network here in the FinLab. And we've already started doing that. We're partnering with Voyager University, which is a group of over 650 fractionals, and we're doing some strategic things with them. But this is a whole way of these fractionals can volunteer and work with these founders, and then the opportunity for potential clients long-term right? And it's a lot more cost-effective for a founder to hire a fractional than bring on a full-time staff. So we just hired up here in the Finnovation Lab a new CEO, fractional CEO, Jennifer Barda, who has a background at General Mills, Lando Lakes, all of those things. So she's an expert in this whole kind of field. And she's helping us build out, you know, the fractional piece, And with all of our network, myself and Connie Rutledge, who runs the Institute and formerly ran the Finnovation Lab, are bringing in all of our founders. And we want this to be like the hub, the place of these folks to come together where one plus one equals three. And that's really the goal of this new vision. And we're super excited about it. We started doing days to bring them all together. We're bringing these communities very intentionally together. So that is a huge focus for the Finnovation Lab up here. And we have office space, we have co-working. You know, we're trying to create community, create community around impact founders and these fractionals. And let's do some cross-pollinating and help everybody. And then on the side of that, we have the Finn Fellow Program funded by the Bush Fel- uh, the Bush Foundation. And that, we have a cohort of nine. It's kind of like what I got to do as a Bush Fellow, but they get $50,000 to pursue their business idea and so that they can focus on their idea, three days of curriculum, mentoring. We help them from the early stage. These are earlier stage, 78% BIPOC entrepreneurs that then are we can help them by the time they graduate to really hit the ground running. And so um, we are in, I think, our fifth fifth or sixth cohort of that uh, group. And so, yeah, so those are that's all the energy up here on the fourth floor, which, I mean, how fun is all of this, right? <laughs> this is, I... That, that sounds I, so exciting. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I can't think of a better way to start off 2024. You're our first podcast of the year. Oh, ah! You have brought such lightness and phenomenal energy. I just, it it makes me excited. It makes me excited to go forward with the rest of the year and see what, what's in store. And I can't wait to continue to watch you. If, if people, is there a, a, a way to, to donate to the community fund to the to Finnegan's community fund. Yeah, yeah, it's on our website actually, Finnegan's.org. So you can donate right on there. And there's so many ways to engage. Our whole our whole thing is helping people to find a way to make a difference. So if it's buying a beer, if it's volunteering uh, at a food packing day, if it's making a donation, there's loads of ways to help engage doing good in the community through Finnegan's and the community fund. That's amazing, Lisa. Any last questions that you have? You're an inspiration. Oh, thank you, Lisa. You're an inspiration to me because you are working in an area that is my not so good spot that needs work spot for sure. So 
I, I think we were connected on LinkedIn. I want to look up more what you do because I, I think it's really cool. And I, I don't think about this much, kind of the work that you're doing and the impact of all of the things that you connected the dots on for me today. So uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You know, Jackie, you're welcome. I have a suggestion. Yeah. Perhaps when you put together in your cohorts and people who are going out into the business world, you should, you and Lisa should talk about Lisa presenting to that group in terms of uh, how they present in their spaces. That is a great idea. That is a great so I, idea. Katie, this is why you and I are partners and we are attached at the hip somehow, some way. <laughs> I literally had that in my head while you were saying that. And I thought, I'm going to talk to her after the podcast is over about that. But you just said it. So, I mean, that's where my passion is. That's what I like to do. The corporate speaking, that's one of the things I want to get back into for 2024 is most, again, most women like you, they spend all their time doing their work and they don't take the time. That's that self-care piece. Right. But once they do it and once they listen <laughs> to some suggestions and it happens, it's life-changing for them in the self-care piece. Right. And right. they show up so much different. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. And you you ladies will laugh that I actually ordered a book that was recommended to me, Real Self-Care. And I just got a thing that said it's arriving today. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, the energy, the energy is there, Jackie. And I really, it'll be fun to follow and see just how amazing and the things you continue to do. So... So grateful to have this time with you and, and we will continue to talk. Oh gosh, yes. And and I will follow up with you, Lisa. And Katie, super excited for your whole event here and everything. And yeah, let's all keep in touch. I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. Thank you. Jackie, thank you again. You okay. Have a great really day, are. ladies. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm telling you, I can't think of a better way to start 2024. I, I, I totally agree. She's got a lot of, she's got a lot of mental work to work on, but most women like her do because they don't ever take the time for themselves. No. And, and isn't that interesting too? What I want to talk about the next podcast that we do. Well, write it down because you and I will not remember. You write it down. You write it down. Darn it. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about what that actually looks like, because if we have so many women saying, I don't take time for myself, I don't, what kind of time do they actually need, Lisa? I want you to give us a step-by-step on what kind of time a woman actually should be taking for herself. And maybe should isn't the right word. What is a recommended, what is Lisa Rubin's recommended process of taking time for yourself look like? She's writing people. She's writing feverishly. So that's going to be how we open our next podcast. So stick around or tune in or click through or whatever you do to listen to our podcast. In the meantime, we really want to thank all of you for being a part of us and for driving our success in your listening, in your comments. I know that both Lisa and I really enjoy hearing from people how the things that we do affect them. And I think that's that's really what keep us going. So 
And it's really, really important. Like we, I think there was a post recently talking about you are the only you you see in the mirror. You are it. You are your unique and beautiful and wonderful and energetic self and whatever energy you are bringing, you have control over that. So when you look in the mirror, you make sure you tell yourself how awesome you really are because it all starts with you. Until next time. We can't end without telling you this. If you want more information on The View in Your Mirror, go to www.theviewinyourmirror.com. From there, you can go to Lisa's site. You can go to my site. You can see who all of our fabulous guests have been, who our nonprofits have been. And again, make sure you do not go through any day without telling yourself how fantastic you really are. Now, until next time. Oh, 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 oh,